and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media. It's a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Reese, aka Referees, aka the Yeast Incarnate, aka uh, Meta World Reese, and I'm here with Hot Take Mondo, aka Hot Take Mondo. And this evening we have a special guest on the podcast. We are thrilled to welcome. Oh my gosh, Renaissance man, triple threat podcaster extraordinaire, royal historian, John Engel. John, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Dude, thanks for coming on. We're, we're super excited to have you on here. So people, uh, for those not in the know, John works at Boulevard, and uh, he is a, uh, a modern major general in all things beer and filmography and royals and pop culture trivia. He, he knows it all. In fact, he is quite the podcaster. We were just talking before the show that he runs, you said you've, you've done hundreds, maybe thousands of episodes of podcasts. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit more I, about that? Well, the podcasting began... Uh, my expertise, if I have any, is in film. Uh, that's what my like, education's in. It's what my obsession has been mostly for my entire life. And um, I just love to discuss cinema, you know, with people. And um, some guys, I got into this podcast called The Star Wars Minute, right? I'm also a big geek for stuff like Star Wars. And uh, these guys put on this show where they talk about every minute of Star Wars, one episode at a time. Like, so every episode is discussing one minute of each one of the movies, which is sounds completely insane, right? But um, it makes for an interesting way to, uh, to kind of analyze something in a gra- on a really granular level, level, you know? So you're like getting into every detail of the production and the background and the trivia and your take on what's happening in the scene and so on. So um, it started to kind of spread. A couple other people were doing shows like it. And I thought, you know, I kind of, maybe I want to do one of these. And I approached my friend, Mitch Bryan, who's a film professor here in Kansas city mm-hmm. and said, Hey, you want to talk about alien? And he said, sure. And having no idea what he was getting into, he didn't even understand the concept at first, but he agreed to do it. And so we did alien and aliens one minute at a time, which I think comes up to something like uh was it? 270 episodes total between the two movies. Holy and moly. then, <laughs> With guests, you know, we did five a week, you know, one for every weekday. We'd have guests on every week, film critics, actors, filmmakers, friends, other podcasters, and so on. So, yeah. And then I did another couple of shows, one called ABC Devo, where we discussed every Devo song um, in alphabetical order. <laughs> and then we recently, <laughs> this was with one of the Star Wars Minute guys, too. So he's crazy. He's clearly an insane person, and I'm going along with it. Um, and then we also did the same guys. We did a show called ABCD TOS, where we discussed every episode of the Star Trek, the original series in alphabetical order. Mm. And all that adds up to a whole lot of episodes of, of podcasts. And so, yeah, um, wow. just around the way, it's, it's saying, yeah, I've done a lot of podcasting in my time, I guess. So for, for, the, for the minute of each Star Wars episode, that had to have been a thousand on its own. Yeah, they've they're they are almost done with Solo, and I think the only movie they have left is Rise of Skywalker now. And I th- they might retire, I don't know, but they have they're highly successful. They're much they're a very very popular podcast, and um, they've they've been able to have really great guests and so on over the years. And some you know I think they kind of I don't want to speak out of turn, but they might make their living doing it at this point, oh, which yeah. is amazing. Um, so yeah, they're they've done yeah easily a thousand episodes. Plus they do like weekend shows for Patreon and so on. So so yeah, so John maybe 
maybe we should go through every Royals game of the 2022 season and do minute by minute analysis it, so gosh. that we can by have can we, can we make it 5,000 <laughs> episodes right. within a week. Let's all just Jeez. quit our jobs and watch and rewatch the first half of the Royal season. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, could we pick the, tw- could we just do the 2015 season? Maybe. And, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> actually enjoy ourselves. I was going to say, I'm like, we're huge in the masochist community with that 2022 <laughs> season. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure we're going to get into that plenty today. Yeah. Right. Well, John, so where are you from originally? I know we've, we've chatted about this bit of work, but tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'm uh, for. I mean, I guess a lot of people listening are from Kansas City, so you will know where Excelsior Springs, Missouri, is. That's oh, yeah. where I was born, raised mostly there. Then I moved up to the Cameron, Missouri area. I was I went to high school in Hamilton, Missouri, which is a tiny little town, birthplace of J.C. Penney. Very proud of that. Um, mm. uh, so I'm kind of a, a country kid, you know. Uh, then I moved around, went to college, moved around, lived in some different cities: Denver, Chicago, St. Louis, and. But mostly I'm just a Kansas City, kind of midtown Kansas City guy, even though I live a little further south now. I just still kind of consider myself a midtowner. And um, that's that's if we're just talking about geography, that's where I'm from. Dude, right on, right on. Where's your favorite place you lived outside of Kansas City? Denver, easily. Oh, I didn't know you lived yeah, in Denver. We, yeah, I lived in Denver. My son was born in Denver. He's nine. So we've been gone about um, about nine years now, a little more. Mm-hmm. And um he was just a baby when we left and uh, we didn't want to leave. It was extenuating circumstances that caused us to leave. And, you know, and it was right before the Denver boom uh, oh. if, for those who know about the population and, uh, and cost of living I'm, boom that happened I'm there. very right familiar after. with the Denver boom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was, I feel like we kind of lucked out leaving when we did, honestly, it would have been really pricey to stay. And I still love it that we visit often. And my kid still kind of considers it, you know, even though he doesn't remember living there, he still kind of considers it a second home. So did did um, did you work in the uh, beer industry in Denver or did beer come uh, in Kansas City? I was a restaurant and coffee guy in Denver. So we moved out there to open a restaurant. Uh, We actually my ex-wife and I had an offer to open a restaurant out there. And that's why we moved there. But then the owners of the restaurant before they had a chance to get it going, uh, uh, they were going to have a child and they decided to wait a year. So we had this whole year of trying to integrate into a kind of a, a kind of closed uh, restaurant industry. We got lucky and got in and um, had some fun, met a lot of people, still have a lot of friends in the in, uh, restaurant industry out there. And then finally ended up uh, opening the restaurant, which was a big success uh, right away. And then I got hit by a car on my bike. And that was the extenuating circumstance I was discussing where I couldn't work Whoa. for a couple of years and, uh, oh we gosh. couldn't afford to stay and, and had a baby and we needed some help taking care of the baby. So it was like, let's go home where our parents live and maybe it'll, life will be a little easier. So that was returning to Kansas city for us. But, um, I would love Denver. I mean, I would go back if, if, the opportunity came up, I would gladly go back and live there again. Well, if you want, uh, house, houses in Pueblo are pretty cheap right now. You just live Pueblo, three yeah. hours away. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I think Denver is the location. I mean, maybe somewhere <laughs> up in the mountains, you know, if, if I really got paid, you know, if I could buy a place somewhere yeah. up. And, my yeah. my uh, wife and I live in, live in Colorado Springs, and we mm-hmm. teach in Pueblo. And we were trying to, like, the only place that we could afford is Pueblo, but even Pueblo is starting to, like, really blow up. And 
we had gone to see this home that looked too good to be true in like a really good price range and it was definitely too good to be true we like get there and it's like by this dump and they just threw all these like cookie cutter homes that weren't even like done yet and found it on zillow and i guess zillow has their own like uh real estate agents that they outsource so they just get over there and he was like sorry i like couldn't find the person that actually like owns this house he's like i just kind of got a thing from zillow saying to meet you here he was like i don't know how to get in i don't know like if this is even for sale and i was like i think we're gonna stay in colorado springs for a little while yeah well yeah if you can manage it springs is i, I like the springs it's not, it's not a bad place yeah yeah very very beautiful um the springs has a very polarizing vibe um mm-hmm. but there is starting to like the, the 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 beer culture in colorado springs is actually starting to evolve there's a couple new breweries that have come out in the past like six months that actually are putting out some great beer so i'm hoping that oh, the cool. beer culture um becomes similar to denver because then with beer culture comes you know a lot of other great things that my wife and i like to do um so we're hoping that 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 culture builds uh, which would be fun so yeah springs isn't too bad yeah it's one of those i feel like that you know i'm I'm speculating here but when prices go up in centralized places like denver for instance uh suddenly aurora is going to have a beer scene suddenly this people are going to like i want to open a brewery but i don't want to pay denver prices for the for the location and it's kind of one of the you know i guess good things you know it's nice because things get spread out it does it isn't like well only things Good, only good things happen in Denver, you know, and there's like one brewery in the Springs. Well, now there's probably like five or six, and uh, at least it spreads the love out to the people that live all over Colorado as opposed to, uh, as opposed to Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, you know. Yeah, totally. This could be total hearsay, but uh, isn't the guy who runs Alma Mater, didn't he used to brew for like Deschutes or like help run Deschutes or something like some big brewery out in Bend or, or something? I feel like I've heard that, but didn't he also work? I thought he was somewhere here as well. Yeah, he, he had like a lot um, of pedigree, I thought. But yeah. the only way to get to the bottom of this, Armando, is to get him on the show and interview him. So let's do it, man. Add that to our I will, I will send right down email. the street just on your lunch break. Just walk down there and say, say hey. <laughs> You got time for 10 minutes, uh, maybe pint, and uh, chat about your brewing history. Not good? Cool. That's a good spot. I need to go back. I haven't been there in a while. I, I had a, a Kolsch from Alma recently that was just straight fire. I don't know what they hopped it with. but really? it, it was like, you know, it had that nice kind of like floral crispiness you like in a light Kolsch, but it also had a nice, I don't know what you want to call it, like fruity back to it. You don't get in a lot of, you know, domestic Kolsch's and all that stuff. I'm like, holy crap, is it what Kolsch supposed to taste like? This is incredible, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I went down to Grunauer recently. I hadn't been there in ages and just got a classic. I think it was Fruh Kolsch, like F-R-U-H with the Mm -hmm. umlauts over the U. So it's like super traditional Kolsch, and it was really nice, man. It's like sometimes I forget. Got to go back to the old stuff, the stuff that used to be like – you had to go to the right liquor store and find it at the certain time kind oh, of yeah. stuff back in the day when, totally. when it wasn't we weren't yeah, like saturated I, with everything all the time. If if like you hit Grunauer at the perfect time where they like where they like just ship a you know a keg from like Germany, then it's amazing. But sometimes yeah. you definitely know some of their kegs have been chilling there for a bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dude. Well, last I, saw, I love that place anyway. Yeah. Oh, totally good. Yeah, I actually had my um. Uh, what did I? Uh, what is the party you have before your wedding? What? Bad oh man, really? I did too. We had our we had our reception <laughs> dinner there. Yeah, reception Upstairs dinner. That's what that, I had. It, 
in the upstairs part, the part that you can rent yeah, out. Yeah, same. It's it's chill. It's yeah. really cool. <laughs> nice, yeah. That's sick. Well, I, I have a confession. I've actually never been to Grunauer, so I, I can only... Oh, what? Really? I can only speak on what I've heard. I mean, Grunauer is like, what, a five-minute walk from Boulevard if you're, like, booking it? You gotta go, man. You gotta you Yeah, gotta you should definitely Noel. go. Yeah, I'll go. I'll take her. I'll take her. So, one day. Anyway, Armando, I know I normally do this, but uh, since I opened the podcast, why don't you give our good listeners a social media shout out where they can find us? Oh my goodness. For the first time in Kansas City, or what is our podcast? Fountain City Sports Media. <laughs> uh, I am going and, and I'm already failing at it. Sorry, someone is like singing right outside of my door and it's it's super loud and very distracting. Did I'm, I'm get interviewed? with 30 opera singers. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Another story for another day. So, ladies and gentlemen, all that listen to us, please consider um, subscribing to this podcast uh, on any of your of your podcast apps. I think what we need the most right now is downloads. So, please download our podcast. Remember, downloading is not listening to it, but act, please listen to it. But also, press the download button on whatever you listen to: Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We're on all of those. In, in addition to that, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, even TikTok talk um, and other social media so give us a like give us a comment we would love to have you on there um, also last but not least please donate on patreon for only two dollars a month um, yeah yeah we're doing the two dollar a month campaign remember that's that is half of what you're spending at starbucks half of what you're spending at boulevard half, uh, uh, less of what you're spending at grunauer for a colch <laughs> i mean you can do two dollars on patreon to support our podcast uh, as we we have a lot of exciting stuff going on, so please consider doing all those things online. How'd I do, Reese? I think you nailed it. Uh, once you remember the name of our podcast, that was smooth sailing. I know. What did I say? Ken, Kansas City Sports Media? Something uh, like that. That one's good, too, but that's already taken. <laughs> Actually, Kansas City Sports Media is now linking up with another podcast and their story for another day. Oh, dude. But, they, but that name might be gone soon. Do you think we'll get acquired? Will we be, like, just bought out and then dissolved? Well, we were hoping to get bought up by them, but now they're getting bought up by someone else. So now we have to like really work our way up to get bought out. It's like how uh, Cerner, I live literally a stone's throw from the Cerner campus in North KC. It's like how the one company that does what they do that could buy Cerner bought Cerner. Because wasn't it Oracle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something crazy <laughs> like that. Anyway, speaking of Rip. Cerner, speaking of Kansas City institutions, uh, one of Kansas City's most beloved sports institutions this year. Uh, with a proud tradition of happiness and joy from all their fans. I'm, of course, talking about the Kansas City Royals. Entered the 2022 campaign with a lot of high hopes. And Armando and I had a lot of high hopes to talk about him this year. We're like, hey, guys, we're going to double down on the coverage. We've got a bunch of young prospects coming up. Bobby Witt Jr., maybe you heard of him. He's going to be here. Prado, Melendez, all those dudes. We're super excited to talk about him. I think we got to our spring training episode. We talked about what we wanted to see this season. And so far... <laughs> Just but none of that's happened this season. So, John, I'm going to hand this off to you with just everyone's favorite kind of question, the extremely open-ended with no direction question. And I'm just going to say, uh, should we have seen this coming? Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm with you guys, though. I, I mean, I go into every season with some level of optimism. You know, I took a lot of crap from my buddies. I'm in a little, like, Facebook messenger group with some people from all around the country. 
and and one guy from Kansas City. And I took a little crap last year because I said, I think these Royals might sneak in. Maybe. Hi. I said ceiling is sneak in on a wild card. And they were just like, oh, John thinks they're going to win the World Series this year. Oh, this is what, crazy talk. Um I always come in with a little bit of hope, and especially with the expanded playoffs, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe we can get in mm-hmm. uh, quickly. Well, I mean, we could talk about reasons why, but quickly it became clear that it was not going to be a quick start and um, can't afford that, man. I mean, you can't afford to slow starts in, in Major League Baseball unless you are some streaky powerhouse or apparently the Mariners uh, or the Orioles, even, even though they don't have a prayer, they're just... Somehow gotten got on the streak. Uh, once once it started going down, I was like, I don't think these guys are built to um, to make a run at this point. Now that said, some of the teams I did expect to do really well this year, um, like the White Sox, haven't really been playing up to their hopes either. So it's like, man, if we only would have just like clawed our way, stayed in the middle somewhere early in the season, maybe we could have seen some competitiveness by this point, but I think it's over now. I, I, I mean, we don't, there's no prayer anymore. We'd need a 20 game winning streak or something to, <laughs> to claw our way back at this point. So, uh, but the question being, should we have seen this coming? Yeah, maybe because we've seen this. The, the funny thing about that question is now that we're in the middle of it, we all say it's no different than it ever was before. It's like, well, if that's the case, we should have seen it coming, right? Yeah. It's the same people involved. And uh, we're talking about Dayton Moore, of course, mainly. Uh, we could talk about how much he's really involved in all this at this point. I mean, there's a lot of contention about that. But, I, and you know, I did not want to hire Mike Matheny at first. When they brought him into the front office and it was obvious they were grooming him to be the manager, I was like, no, please. I know all the stories about him in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And then when they brought him on, I tried to be, okay, well, he's the manager. Let's try to look at the bright side. But in hindsight, it's like, I don't think, I still think it was a bad idea to hire the guy. And, um, yeah, so in that in that case, maybe we should all have seen it coming because it's the same old guys. We couldn't have predicted Whit Merrifield's super slow start. I don't think um, it's amazing how much he's meant to the team in, in any of their basically all their wins for the last few years. He seems to be instrumental in all of them. So once he goes down, the team goes down, and um, I don't know, man. It's 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 been rough going this year, and now it's just time to to sell the sell the house. I think. And uh, see what we can get, dude. I mean, it's a lot to unpack in that statement there, because I mean, starting with the White Sox not playing well, it's, you know, that seems to be every year in the AL Central. Though we're like the worst division in ba- we're like the we're like the NFC East of baseball because it's, it's never a difficult division. There's usually like one team that's the best team, but even then, it's like they're not that good. They just play in the AL Central, you know. And this year's really no yeah. different. No one's really that great if we could just put together consistently fine baseball we're probably right around 500 uh and and, you know going on talking about what's really different this year compared to years past the one thing i would say is that i think we had the hope of a lot of young prospects kind of fully hitting their stride this year i mean we don't have to talk about the fab four pitchers bobby witt coming up you know, paired with dudes, like you said, Merrifield's been really consistent. Of course, this is the first year he takes an absolute dump. Uh, ben Intendi looking really good even at the beginning of the year. Michael A. Taylor, solid piece. It seemed on paper that we had a team constructed that could hit that Picada rating. What was it, like 73 wins? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, we can hit 73 wins. And like you said, I'm like, if, if balls bounce our way, maybe we can make it to the playoffs. You know, sneak into that extended wild card playoff. 
I remember in the opening series, it was like the first two games of the year. I can't remember who we were playing for the life of me, but it was like tied late in the game and Bobby Wood hadn't had a hit yet, but it was like in the bottom of the eighth, he comes through with this clutch double and that wound up winning us the game and we're like, dude, Bobby Wood's legit. Then the next game, it like went to extras or whatever it was, and he threw that dude out from his butt at third base that saved the mm-hmm. game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was I, great. I remember talking to people. I'm like, these are two wins that are going to matter down the stretch. And when it comes down to, like, we make the wild card or not, I'm like, we're going to be thankful we got those two wins and, like, Bobby Whitman's the catalyst of it. <laughs> so, shows what yeah. I know. Ugh, Armando, should we have seen this coming? Yeah. I think it's funny that... Um, that we had all this hype for our for our offense and like they've been you know okay thus far and what we thought was going to be amazing with these young pitchers is just not coming through like we were so excited for so many different people but now it's the opposite now i'm excited about this young lineup which i was not excited for in the beginning because i was like we got all these veterans that are going to play uh and we're going to make this playoff push but now my mind is just completely switched where now i'm like you know what let's get melendez let's get wit let's get Vinny, let's get uh nick prado let's get them all in there and try to figure it out and sell everybody else so I did not see this coming because I was so excited for the veterans that came in, you know, Benny Witt, uh, Michael A. Taylor, Dozier, even I was like, hey, Dozier might make a run too. Uh Granky coming back, Scott Barlow, all these all these guys were now I'm just like, eh, trade the trade them, blow it up. Let's go. We do have these young bats that. I think are going to be better in the second half of the season. I think now the. I think the irony is that now we do have this very exciting young like batting core, um, offensive core that I think could be cool. But that doesn't mean we're going to make the playoffs. I think we just got to blow it up and see what happens. Well, so here's a pessimistic question for you. I'm glad you mentioned all these young guys because we actually, uh, through extemporaneous circumstances, got a chance to see the band all together for the most part against Toronto a week ago. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know if you listened to the game, John, or like watched it, but that was probably some of the most fun and interest I've had listening to a Royals game since probably about 2015, 2016, maybe. Uh, But being a pessimist, it's like, I can't wait to see all these young guys look so good, get called up one by one, and then slowly regress over the next three seasons. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hard not to wonder about that. But I I will say, you know, going back to the original question and talking about um, you guys talking about these new prospects coming up as being a reason for optimism, which it is, you get excited. It's more a reason for get to get excited. Uh, when you think about it, optimism is forgetting the, the learning curve, you know, and you get excited about a guy like Bobby Wood Jr. And you go, well, he's a five tool player. He's going to be, he could be Mike Trout maybe, but you forget that even Mike Trout, even we were talking about, we could talk about Bobby Wood's errors issue that he's having so far this season, mm-hmm. which, uh, Ozzie Smith had like 25 errors in his rookie season, you know, so got to remember that just because the player's exciting and, and they're coming up and it's like, okay, it's a reason to get excited. It's not a reason to think that that's going to uh, turn into wins. You know, they're going to strike out a lot. They're going to make mistakes. And um, that's why it was encouraging in, to watch the games in Toronto and see um, these guys were not overwhelmed Mm-mm. and that's a really good team. They're playing with a good pitching staff and they had good at bats. I, the only guy who I thought was a little antsy at the plate was for mean. 
And he's just like, I immediately was like, free swinging for me. And that's his nickname. He was like swinging at everything. Yeah. And, and I don't even, I don't mean chasing. I mean, swinging early in counts, which is fine. But he was pop, you know, popping foul and stuff. He was the only guy that I thought had iffy at bats. Um, man, Prado looked amazing. Um, mm-hmm. um, why am I blanking on his name? I'm blanking on the second baseman's name. Or Eaton? He played some third base. Uh, Massey? No, Eaton was center field. Massey, yeah. Oh, yeah. All those guys look great. Eaton had that home run yeah. right off the bat, you know. Um, I don't know. I, But you're right. It's you kind of what we'd like to see. You're talking about bringing up these guys one by one. I'd kind of like to see sell the farm, bring them all up, and let them be a unit yeah. right away. Let's and, do it. And that just speeds up the, learn, uh, the, the, the learning curve. The timeline's shortened if you do that. You let them start gelling. Let everybody start getting there at bats, uh, taking their lumps, having their slumps, all that stuff that's going to happen. Uh, let it happen as early as possible. And I think at the time is now. I would love to see all those. I would love to see the rest of the season look like Toronto. I'm not thinking it really is, but I think that would be great. Well, that would require the team admitting that we're in a rebuild phase or that uh, what we've been doing the last five years of not rebuilding, but Bingo. calling in young prospects and keeping the old dudes, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of weird hybrid didn't work. But no, I, I agree with you. If I would ship everybody we could off for a bucket of balls and whatever else we could get just to keep this young <laughs> core up and be like, who the heck knows? Because isn't that what really made like the 20, let's call it 2013 to 2015 window work so well? Was that, you know, they, they called dudes up and even guys like people forget Moose took his lumps. Didn't he get sent down to AAA in 2014 yeah. once or twice? It's 2014. Yeah, once I think. Wow. But yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was actually sent down to AAA and then he was crushing balls in the playoffs. You know, like that's how it works. You know, baseball's tough. It's a, and you're like, Ned, it's a game of adjustments. That's absolutely a million percent true. And we all need to remember that more often. And that's one of the good things about uh, uh, Rex Hudler is how often he reminds us of that. It's like, it could be annoying, a little annoying sometimes, but you go, you know what? I think we do need to be reminded of that all the time because he's right. It's a 162 game season and every pitch is an adjustment. And you got to think, you got to think about baseball is completely. Sometimes I think Kansas city, I'm not the first one to say this. Kansas city sports fans are too um, dialed into football mentality. A lot of times yeah. and aren't patient enough with baseball and, uh, and right away, it's like every loss becomes this big tragedy. And I'm like, man, I I love baseball season because it's a relief from the stress of football season where every loss is a tragedy. It's, yeah. It's like, we need to, <laughs> we need to be more emotional. patient with these guys and let things, uh, uh, you know, let things slowly progress or uh, deal with it when they slowly regress. Um, but, I mean, I would say, you know, you said shipping these guys off for a bucket of balls. I would recommend some bullpen pieces for the future because that's what really got us where we got in the 2013 through 15. Um, I really that's where we're losing games more often than not. And even um, some of these starters, Brady Singer, I'm I'm going to make this bold prediction right now. Brady Singer's the guy that's going to throw the next no hitter for the Royals. Really? When that guy's stuff is wow. stuff. He's got stuff, man. That ball moves. He's got that stuff that, that he can throw 0-2. And throw it right down the middle of the plate because it looks like a throwaway pitch because of the movement he's got. He can be so deceptive and strong. And if he can get through the whole game, I think he's the guy that's going to actually end up doing that for us eventually. Of course, that's probably wrong. It'll be somebody we never thought of. But uh, 
Uh, <laughs> bitch. I, I just to me when I watch him and I say he gets through an inning on seven pitches or something, I go, man, if he can keep this up through the game, he might be the guy to do this one of these days. So him and Lynch is looking all right. Bubich is looking okay, yeah. a lot better than he was early. Yeah, um, Keller you know, all too. All these things are happening. They're super young, and Keller, yeah, he's looking good. I mean, Keller, Keller had I don't know what happened. It was last was it last year that he had the real. My timeline's all mixed yeah, up because right. of how you know the COVID seasons. He, I, I didn't expect him to have that slump, and I don't know what was going on. But um, I think he's a, a pretty strong starter for the future. Um, maybe not for us. I don't know. Yeah. He might end up being part of a deal at some point, but we'll see. Well, okay, uh, you kind of kicked the hornet's nest here. You mentioned it's a game of adjustments, yet we don't seem to make any adjustments. And you mentioned Keller had his weird thing last year, which is true. And you may or may not recall pitching coach Kyle Eldred when asked about it, like 100 games in the season, he's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what to tell him. And it's like, what do you mean? That's your job. So speaking of someone's job, we fired Terry Bradshaw fairly early in the season when the offense was slumping. But I think it's fair to say that after about three seasons in this, this pitching core, not really taking the step forward as a unit, we all kind of hope they would. Uh, why hasn't Cal Eldred been canned at this point? I, th- I mean, we know the answer, right? I mean, I don't want to be the one to it's say it. It's the buddies. <laughs> it's the buddy system, right? He's he's a good guy. He's a good man. Because you know, and, and he uh, he uh, knows where the skeletons are hidden, as they say. <laughs> but he Maybe he wasn't vaxxed either, was he? Didn't he not make the trip to Toronto because he wasn't vaxxed? Yeah, he was. He was the only one on the staff that was not vaxxed. Wasn't that a thing last year? Him, him, him and the assistant, the assistant hitting coach, I think. What's his name? So from Hawaii, that guy from Hawaii, I can't remember his name right now, but he wasn't there either. But yeah, yeah Dane they, they also the like coaching stuff. said stuff about it too. Dane was not happy. He went on, um, uh, what is it with uh, Petro, Seren Petro? He went on and like didn't blast him, but definitely brought it up. Like you know, we're supposed to be leaders on this team, and he wasn't vaxxed and like doesn't look good for Cal. But like he had to have well, known the, that, right? As the as the president of baseball operations, he had to have known Cal wasn't vaxxed, right? He he didn't pull an Aaron Rodgers inoculated or whatever thing, right? They can't. I mean, technically, they can't ask. I think it's there's a lot of don't ask, don't tell going on with the with that vax situation. We can talk more about that and how that'll play into possible trades. As yeah, well. it, could, it could be a HIPAA violation. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know if it's technically HIPAA, but I think it's the players' association. Certainly for the on players' side, they don't they can't ask the players. So the revelation always comes when it's like, can you go to Toronto or not? That's how they find out, I think. I don't know. I mean, it could be that the players volunteered the information earlier, but I don't think they can demand the information. Um, yeah, but that we could talk about how that will play into future possible trades. Uh, obviously, that's what everybody was talking about right away when all the when the, that insane list of players was, was announced. On the Cal Eldred topic, I, and I, I think Reese, me and I think we talked about this maybe at work, but it was a little anecdote that I, it, it, things that I kind of pieced together, and I could be, I admit, I could be completely off base about this, and this could be total speculation. But remember that Singer went up to Omaha for a while mm-hmm. and worked on his stuff, and then returned and threw like four times more changeups in the his first game back than he had ever thrown, right? And everybody, the talk has always been about Singer. He needs that third pitch. He needs that that changeup yep. if he's really going to develop as a as a starter. And Hudler uh, told the story about talking to Cal, like Cal Eldred and Singer on the field and pregame, and Hudler's down there, and he's like, hey, why doesn't he throw that changeup? He's working on that changeup with you right now. What, what What's it going to take to get him to start throwing in the games? And Eldred's answer was, hey, it's up to him. Whenever he's comfortable, comfortable throwing it, that's up to him. 
Well, what was coached into him when he went to Omaha that made him so comfortable throwing it now? Right. And why isn't Cal Eldred, the guy that coached him up, why isn't the guy in Omaha, whose name I admittedly don't know, why isn't he here? Because if he's the one that can actually get uh, inject that confidence into him or at least help him develop that confidence, uh, why is Cal Eldred still the one here? Because it seems that he failed at that one very specific thing. Again, I, I, I'm i injecting a lot of speculation into that, but it seems like that's what happened. And and that's just one thing out of how many times, you know, and then the joke of every time he goes to the, goes to the mound, see, the, the next pitch is a home run, it seems. Yeah. It's like, what is he coaching? How is, what is it he's doing? What is his job at this point? I don't know. It doesn't, it's not apparent to me. Couldn't tell you. There was some stat that came out a week or so before the All-Star break that it's like batters after a Cal Eldred mound visit are hitting like 320 or something like that. It's <laughs> wow. like, it was like 320 and like 10 plus home runs. It's like he goes out there and the batter's licking their chops. Does he have some like voodoo doll that he pokes while he's there or something? Or geez, <laughs> nah, dude. Is it? I would like to know that uh, if they could take that statistic and then tell me what the count is mm. when he goes to the mound. For instance, if it's sometimes he goes up in the middle of an at bat, uh, so that would adjust. Like sometimes he's got to go up and tell him, "Look, you're just gonna have to throw the a strike." I mean, you just need to throw strikes. Is probably what he says a lot of the times when he goes out there, and strikes get hit, you know. Um, so there's that that could be part of the deal there, but yeah, I mean, to me, I don't see what he's doing, and some of these guys look. I think that a lot of us are impatient with these young pitchers. I think it takes a long time to develop, and some of us forget that Lynch. I was at his first at his uh, debut. It was this last spring. I mean, come on, he he needs a lot of the starting pitchers need three years most of the time. Yeah. If you're getting something before that, you're doing real well. So um, I still think that this class uh, it was a 2018 class. A mm-hmm. um, lot, lot of potential still. I, I think there's still a lot to look forward to with those guys. I try to be optimistic about that. But I think somebody else might need to be their coach. And um, I really do. And I, I'm not a fire the coach kind of guy. I really am not. I, I feel like people over, they step into that just out of anger a lot of times. But it seems to me that Caledred's expiration date is past. But dude, I hope you're right. Uh, I mean, I'm glad you brought up what are they teaching him in Omaha because it feels like all the time, even dudes like Coar, who's probably the weakest of the bunch they brought up, wasn't he like AAA pitcher of the month a few times? You know, pe- yeah. people keep ripping on us like, oh, we, we draft and we find all these quadruple A guys, you know, that are like way too good for the AAA and way too good for the majors. I don't think that's the case. I don't believe that our guys are just like this dominant in AAA, like this much better than the rest of AAA competition. But like can't even tread water in the majors, and that's not just yeah. pitching; that's batting as well. I've got a short list of players that I think this is no surprise to anybody that they're the same kind of thing: quadruple A guys, you know, lottery picks that we pick up. And it's like, well, if these guys pan out, or if these guys ever like get it together consistently, they're not going to be crazy, but they're going to be good contributors. I mean, dudes like Brett Phillips, you know, great athlete, really great defense, couldn't swing a bat to save his life. He was a role player on that Rays team a few years ago in the World Series. He made some plays and hit some. Uh, he hit a walk off, didn't he? It was kind of a walk off error, yeah. But it was exciting. Oh yeah. But he's not. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him. I, I love Brett Phillips. I've met. He's a. He's a good guy. I've met him. My kids got his autograph. Cool guy. A blast. Social media wise, all the 
him the, the mate perhaps I think we can say the greatest position player pitcher of all time just for his performance uh, <laughs> uh, the elements of his performance yeah. but um he's hitting like 140 man he's not like, I wouldn't put him up on a pedestal okay. he's not actually that good uh, he's just he's just fun I missed his batting <laughs> average it's my fault that's my fault I haven't seen him yeah, recently it's okay 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 uh next one I listen Jorge uh Jorge Soler the fact that again he well, inconsistent had that home run record year for us, fell off face of the earth. He gets traded to the Braves last year, World Series MVP. I will contend, and we and I think we have another example this year. I will contend that Solaire was very much coming around before he got traded. He was not completely awful in the maybe two weeks leading up. He started getting hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when the trade happened. Same with Carlos Santana this year. He was pretty. He was like one of our hottest hitters when we traded him. Strange to, as it is to say, and he went over there. They haven't lost a game since he's been there, right? Or maybe one. Yeah. Uh, which is I'm not giving him all the credit for that by any means, but uh, <sighs> I think Santana was coming around this year too, which makes them gives the team the ability to trade them. I don't know if you get that trade and if Santana's still hitting uh, sub Mendoza or Soler. Solaire, I I love Solaire. I actually was sad to see him go. I didn't care because every game, every at bat was electric. Oh yeah. Even if he was going to strike yeah. out, <laughs> as many times he struck out, it was always it was like it reminded me a little of Bo Jackson. It was, it was, a, when I was, it was a beautiful strikeout. Yeah. When I was a, Bo Jackson. When I was a kid, man, I um, Bo Jackson was my guy. I named my cat after Bo Jackson. Um, loved him, and so every at bat was just electricity, man. It was just like you. Make sure you're sitting down and watching, you know, when you did get a chance to watch the Royals back then. Um, Solaire kind of reminded me of that, and I was sad to see him go, and really happy for him that he got that ring and got that big home run. And mm-hmm. um, or he had a couple, right, in the yeah. series. But yeah. anyway, I don't know. I mean, to me, those are those examples. Um, you sent me a questions, and you brought up Junis. Junis is the big one, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And now, not to say he hasn't had enough. He's been on the IL, and but his first game's back. I'm friends with a bunch of Giants fans, and they're like, Right away, early in the season, like, thanks for Jake Junis, man. He's, like, killing it. His stuff is amazing. I'm like, yeah, that's the Cal Eldred thing. That's where we get back to Cal Eldred and wonder, what was going on here? Yeah. He had really great stuff. Yeah. Again, they use that word stuff. You could see that ball moving. You could see how deceptive it could be. And uh, couldn't keep it together. Couldn't keep the control. It's like, is it a preparation thing? I kind of wonder if that's it. Because uh, I'm not sure if in game what what the coaching does for the in game performances as much as it is um, the prep, mm. and I wonder if college is just terrible at getting these guys ready to go. <laughs> I I've I've heard that that one criticism for Cal is that a lot of these guys, like Reese was saying, these are like heavy prospects that we're getting, and they have like two solid pitches, and when they go to double or triple, they are developing that third pitch. Or fourth pitch. And I think that is where I've heard a lot of criticism of Cal is if they're able to really um, polish that third pitch so that there is some variance to them when they when they go to the major leagues. And normally all these guys are not panning on that specific third pitch because of course they can throw a heater or throw a changeup, but then it it really is that third one that doesn't have the variance. So that's kind of what I wonder. Like I'm I'm not a pitching technician, but I'm wondering whether there's some alteration there that Cal's you know philosophy on adding pitches is just not it I mean in the case of you know Junis yeah could be yeah I've I've heard there's a lot of lack of respect and communication between Cal and the players because I remember there was an interview earlier this year where they were saying like Junis you know what's your secret what's going on this year and he explains what he's doing I'm sorry I can't remember the specifics but he explains what he changed this year 
And it was either Dayton or Cal was like, yeah, we were trying to get him to do that while he was here. It's like, okay, well, if you're trying to get him to do that while he was here, why didn't he do it when he was here? You know, does he not trust yeah. you? Are you not communicating this well? Like, if this isn't brand new stuff he's being told, why is he suddenly utilizing it out in the Bay Area? Yeah. Well, I mean, San Francisco has a great history of coaching up pitchers. You know, I mean, they've had a lot of success with guys whose careers might have been over. I'm, why am I blanking uh, Romo, Sergio Romo? Is a good example, I think, and so that's a guy who's been able to, you know, go all kinds of places and continue. I mean, maybe I'm maybe my timeline's backwards, but I think that they kind of brought him back from the dead, didn't they? I can't remember for sure, but um, some places, man, like Cleveland, San Francisco, those places, like if you're a pitcher, you want to go there, right? Oh my god, it seems like they just they they make every pitcher better, and um, Kansas City opposite. We're almost. I feel like we're in Colorado territory. <laughs> Where it's like, <laughs> no pitcher wants to pitch here for different reasons, but for no pitcher wants to pitch here, maybe. I don't know. Right? I mean, Granky wanted to come back, but Granky's a weirdo, man. <laughs> I don't know. He wanted to come back because he just, the novelty of being back in Kansas City might have been enough for him. I don't know. His reasons are always going to be beyond all of us. Uh, he's on a whole other level. But uh, uh, rarely, I, I don't feel like pitchers are dying to come here anymore. You know, oh, gosh. Or, or maybe they never were dying to, but. Um, I just wonder, it, it makes you wonder, you know, if we could ever add a piece that we really, even if they were willing to pay for it, if they just opt to go somewhere else where they could have a better, you know, situation. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say one last thing before we can segment off to the B review here. Uh, you know, a different pitching coach, but similar issue. You know, Johnny Cueto was really, you know, throwing fire until he came to the Royals. And you might remember he had a yeah. bit of an up and down tumultuous tenure. He, he was great at Kaufman, but on the road, he was a nightmare. And is that, again, you know, similar front office and regime? Are we bringing in the wrong people to talk to these guys? It's hard to say. I This is where it gets to where we just don't know the day-to-day. And, and it's we can speculate about the day-to-day. And, and sometimes I think, like I was saying earlier, prep. Like, so much more goes into that than we think about. Like, as we watch between... Uh, you know, pregame and postgame, and that's all we see. And, but occasionally, you'll hear that discussion of you know, locker room guy, of like the 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 day that you know, like bring up the minor leaders so they could see how the professionals like go through their day and how important that is. Mm-hmm. And um, coaches have to have a lot to do with that. I assume that they have coaching rooms, like we see it in the NFL a lot more. I think we get a little bit more behind the scenes, but I assume they have pitchers meetings, and Aldred runs the meeting, and they talk about the week and the philosophy. And how they're going to approach the team coming, and I just wonder if that's just he just doesn't know what he's doing in that case, and and nobody's ready to go because sometimes it really feels like they're not ready to go, and um, I think I think like Salvi calls a pretty good game. Uh, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder about pitch selection with Salvi. I love him to death, but sometimes I'm like, why did they throw that there? But I could go back to Eldred too. I could be Salvi's calling the pitches because they talked about it in the meetings. You know, I I don't know. But I assume these kind of things happen, and they probably play into the game a lot more than we really think about, um, because we're just watching them play in the game, you know. Right. And, and it's easy to simplify it that way. But so I don't know, man. Like to me, it's clear that there's a coaching issue. Now Matheny, they extended or, or they option. They took his option for next year. Oh. Likely, he's going to be back next year. Bro, <laughs> I mean, just for that, re- just for that reason, they took it, but they, they took it in preseason. They took it in spring training. I think that's when they took his option. Mm. So it's like, yeah, likely Eldred. I really doubt if Eldred's. I mean, 
I guess I kind of said this last year too. So I was going to say that our same sentiments. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, if he's still around next year, what in the world is going on? And it makes you start worrying about the desire to win. And I know it's a, it's a hot take social media thing, you know, from the sports media guys out there on Twitter. I think it's usually out. It's, you know, I take all that with a grain of salt because they're trying to get, uh, you know, likes and retweets and everything uh saying hot you know hot takes but um i we used to not want to win david glass didn't want to win for a long time either and i had a hard time being a fan of the team for a while i actually paid a lot of attention to the cubs for a few years because of david glass i got very frustrated with the royals and said you know i'm gonna shift my attention for a little while and actually pay attention to some of i love baseball too much to be this mad at it you know so I hope I'm really hoping that we don't get back in that situation. And I think with this, uh, the impending downtown stadium, I really think they're going to have to build a winner or something to get that to happen. I think Wit Bobby Witt Jr. is going to need to get extended. I think they're going to have to do an Acuna-esque thing with him, get him signed up next year, and show the t- show us that we were, we're playing it for the future. And if we're going to put a stadium downtown, it's going to be because we're going to win down there. And so um, I'm hoping that's the case. But for all I know about corporate, you know, and political maneuvering that goes into something like that, maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe they're still going to make their money, even if we lost 100 games a season every year just by building a downtown stadium, you know, and I hope that that's not enough for them well i mean that's one thing like you said david glass never wanted to win and he was on the on the record saying you know i I lose money on this team every year you know you should be thankful i'm owning this team and keeping him in kc and there was that writer from cbs sports who like using basics just debunked the fact that he's like no he's like if you do everything wrong he's like you're still making at least this much money off the team every year (laughs) as my own like don't don't be gaslighting us with that talk please yeah that's the old like in the, the the rolling uh, profits uh, that that are like it's the staple of the m- movie studio model, where they oh we'll pay you in uh, in uh, gross or net profits, and then the uh, the um, accounting rolls it over. They are able to roll it and roll it. And go, we have not still admit, haven't made one dollar on Avatar yet, you know. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and it's like baseball does the same thing. They'll they'll make so much money, but then they can show uh, reports that say, oh, we're barely breaking even, you know, just in order to have this narrative for one reason or another uh, or another but we knew better and we know better we know who how deep their pockets are as individuals like please david glass you have you are a walmart guy you know i knew all those years you could have kept beltron you could have kept damon like all those things that happened that made me so frustrated with the royals over the years um and i'm hoping and i have you know i'm optimistic about uh about sherman i'm I, I want to think he's a good guy and a baseball guy and not just a businessman. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I guess we'll just have to see and hope. And if it doesn't happen, it's going to be sad, sad for the Royals. Well, that's a great place to leap off. We'll talk more about the future of the Royals when we get back. But in the meantime, we're going to drown our sorrows in a delicious beer review. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. John has brought a special can onto the podcast this evening. Are we going to a commercial right now? Or? I wish. This is where the commercial is going to go. <laughs> it sounded like we were. I will be right back. Do you have your beer? Yeah, I have it right here. Do you have a glass for your beer? It's been sitting in my Kansas City Royals koozie, and I have my Odell Brewing Company snifter here. Oh, perfect. And, um, Company man. I 
I've never. <laughs> I have. Some, I guess I have some Boulevard glass where I could have used it. Nice. I just. I actually. Pref, I just prefer this glass. I don't know why. Dude. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I I thought you did say Boulevard. I didn't mean that as a joke. Oh no, Odell. <laughs> oh, this is one of my. Yeah, I brought this over from Denver, so I drink oh, nice, out of this nice, one nice. quite often. I was actually going to bring an Odell product on, but I couldn't find it. Um, but uh, their Wolf Picker IPA, I really enjoy. And I, I wanted to talk about it because it was kind of different, but I couldn't find it. So instead, I brought the, this beer from a company I've never, a brewery I've never heard of, called the Tox Brewing Company. Have you guys ever heard of them? I've not. Uh, out of New Haven, Connecticut. No. Um, I'll show, I know this is a podcast, but I will show you guys. It's, a, um, it's called the Fugu. Uh, IPA, uh, and it has this puffer fish on it, which I know is called a fugu because of the Simpsons episode where Homer went to the sushi restaurant and ate the puffer fish and thought he was going to die. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So the fugu. Uh, so we got a puffer fish and a nice this nautical theme. We even got a um, uh, we've got a diving bell or like a diver's uh, old fashioned diver suit with a skull inside of it. This guy did not make it. Um, got some shipwrecks back there and some lots of frogs. I'm not sure. I should have probably researched the brewery. They seem to be frog seems to be their logo. Um, so I don't know anything about. It. I literally I was basically drawn in by the uh, by the graphic design of the can. I said, "Hey, that looks good. It's New Haven, Connecticut. I assume it's hazy. I'm, I'm going to take a guess that this is going to be a hazy IPA. It's probably. Um, are we ready? Are we ready to open? Yeah, crack that bad boy open for okay, us real gonna, quick. Let's do it. Okay, they're oh. cracked open, and Dude, I'm like a pro. Pour. All right, so for those of us that have not listened to this podcast before, we do have five different categories for this beer. We start off with appearance, aroma, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste, giving each of those a 1 to 10 score, 1 being repug, 10 being fantastic. So category number one, appearance. John, what does that beer look like? It is golden almost to orange it's got a little bit almost like a a hint of a tangerine kind of color to it um and hazy as can be as i as i guessed it doesn't say hazy on the can which i i actually find refreshing don't have to put hazy on everything folks uh <laughs> let the beer speak for itself sometimes yep. uh, there but you go. yeah so golden to orange hazy good head on it real nice head on it um yeah and that's that's the color. So we're gonna do nose now. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, one to is it, one to ten on that appearance. Oh, one to ten. I forgot about ranking it. Um, hey, I'm gonna give it a, a, a solid eight. Solid eight. You know, I, I, solid. I honestly am not not sure um, what would blow me away about the appearance of a beer. To be honest, to give it a ten, but uh, it would have to be something extra special, I guess. So I'll give it an eight. So we're going to the nose now. Yep, going to the nose. What you smell in that bad boy? Any fruity smell? Because it's a hazy IPA. Lots of lots of fruit. Um, tropical fruits, guava. You know, like guava, like um, papaya, mm-hmm. and of course grapefruit. I, I I'm one of those people. I can't not get grapefruit off IPA. Oh, like it right. always hits me. <laughs> Everything has citra uh, hop you know, it, in it. It's so. subtle. <laughs> yeah, grapefruit's subtle though. It's not like overwhelming. Like. Some of those old old super hot beers, yeah. So lot very fruity. I'm trying to find anything besides fruit. No grassiness, no dankness. Not really. I, I I'm. It's not complex enough. This is not going to get a high. If we're going ten, I'm going to go like a six on the nose. Because when I I love craziness in on the nose of beers and wines and coffee, espresso, everything. 
And I love like when you get those crazy notes like oh, oh barnyard. That's wine. Is, it's real barnyard, or you say stuff like that. It's like intriguing, interesting. This is straightforward. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not interesting enough to give it too high of a rating. So I'm going to give it a six. Yeah, okay. So we're on to then on to just taking a sip. Taking a sip. Yeah. Take some All of that right. in. Uh, let us sit in your mouth and uh, let us know what flavors are encapsulating your tongue. Oh man, it's a little peachy. Okay. Like, not not very ripe peach. Um. Hmm. Grapefruity, white grapefruit, like white grapefruit juice. Mm. So I'm, it's like it's like it's like kind of white fruit, like white peach, white grapefruit. Got some pear in yeah. there, maybe other other white fruits. <laughs> maybe I don't. I'm gonna try one more. That's a good distinction of white grapefruit versus ruby red grapefruit because ruby red's the sexier cousin, man. That's the sexy sweet one. That's the full one, you know, where <laughs> white is a little bit more bitter, th- a thinner flavor. Yeah. Um, like when my grandma would give me the little grapefruit juice can and it was the white grapefruit, it was like almost too bitter for me as a kid, you know. Um, yeah. Okay. So flavor wise, it's not that exciting. It's, um, I'm going to maybe go six on this one too. It's, it's not bad, but it's not doing much for me. Okay. Um, Mouthfeel is a little bit disappointing. That was the next one, not mouthfeel, or was it a, a back palate? You got, you got mouthfeel. Which way are we going? Mouthfeel's up next. Yeah, mouthfeel. It's not. It's not. The complexity isn't hanging on. It doesn't have legs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like kind of just bitter. Now, so I guess we're getting to back palate and mouthfeel. Say, well, I'm skipping over mouthfeel. I guess by saying bitter, but um, I don't know. The carbonation's hanging onto the tongue a little bit too long too. If oh that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm starting to just feel like sixes across. This is kind of a C beer. <laughs> like it's, it's a C. It's not bad, and that's okay. But it's not exciting. And I already kind of got to the back palate. The aftertaste is, it's just straight bitter. It's like white grapefruit bitterness, um, which doesn't isn't bad to me necessarily it's just not as fun as it was at first then i gotta ask uh there's bitterness in the beer but you said you smelled a lot of kind of like tropical sweet fruit i know is is it i smelled the tropical sweet fruit i don't think i tasted much of it they lied to you yeah it's interesting i didn't really feel like i got it but i definitely was getting that tropical fruit on the nose so i don't know do you know what the hot profile on this is uh, no, I don't. Didn't say it on um, there. Should I have? Should I have looked that up before? No, because no, I'm I, I'm just curious because I wonder whether it's just filled with like Galaxy or something. Because Galaxy for me, I never get anything sweet from Galaxy, but I really right. get a nice like a nice smell to Galaxy, and I'm just curious. What was that beer called again? Fugu Tox Brewing Company Fugu IPA. Tox Brewing. Okay, there we go. Um, let's see. Untapped. I like Untapped. They don't really have the hops a whole bunch. Uh, they do. They ha- uh, Citra, Cashmere, and Eldorado. It's probably the Eldorado. Oh yeah. And you know what else we gotta we gotta talk about? It's five weeks, six weeks old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. okay for an six, IPA. Brew date six <laughs> six the ninth of June. I should have checked that. I should get fresher beers uh, next time <laughs> if I'm ever on again. Dude, Alex, Alex Nicolico and I reviewed a uh, very expired Avery beer on a episode of Speedy and Angry, now streaming on Patreon. But yeah, that was Boom. 
but the good thing is we knew it was going to be expired going into the can. I'm like, yo, this traveled in yeah. some guy's car. It's been in the fridge for about a, three, four days. I'm like, there's a very good chance it's going to be paint thinner. And it was paint thinner. So, yeah, this, so this comes from New Haven. We're, we're traveling from New Haven. Who knows what the temperature, you know, variations yeah. were between here and there. Um, I should have checked that first uh, now that I think about it because I should have made sure. Okay, one of the criteria for what beer I chose should have been is is it going to be a fresh beer? <laughs> you almost got to go local to make sure you have a fresh beer though. So maybe this is a little bit expired. What was the Avery you guys tried? One of the two wits that Avery like sales rep brought into Boulevard a few weeks ago. Remember they were in the employee fridge? Was oh I didn't see them. White Rascal. Yeah, one of them was like Rascal something. There was another one that was like a, a very White Rascal. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually really like White Rascal a lot. Yeah, I'm White Rascal is legit. Bar. Yeah, this was uh, this yeah. was not. This was a little more dead raccoon than Rascal. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, John, we have one secret category in our beer reviews, and that is the ever popular oh, Stonks drinkability quotient. Uh, this is a free form poetry slam category of your choice. Uh, you basically just just let us know in your own words how does this beer make you feel. There's no right or wrong answer, and give that a one to ten. How does Beer in general make me feel. How does this beer make you feel? This particular this beer. beer. I yeah. thought you were just saying, "Hey, hey, what is beer? Uh, how's <laughs> how you like it? You like it? Okay. It kind of gets me buzzed, but it's okay. This beer is not exciting. I don't want to drink it. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to be me. I'm Bruh. looking at the glass and I'm like, eh, I might. What's sad about it is Reese knows I actually picked two beers. Oh um, man, to try. Both of them happen to be from New Haven, Connecticut, which is weird. I did not see that until i got home what are the odds um i didn't try the other one uh, but i wanted to talk about this one because i wanted to make the simpsons reference i'll just be honest with you oh, i um, loved it so, <laughs> so i was like hey i know what fugu is so we'll talk about that um so uh yeah i'm not excited about the spirit at all uh, and sorry guys talks i bet you're a great brewery i honestly do and i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna chalk it up to expiration fair I, I don't think it's fair. I think I wasn't fair to their beer. I should have checked that first before I went on a podcast talking about it. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, so, we'll get a brewer from Tox on the podcast and be like, yo, John Engel, man, he was crapping all over your hey, food. Yeah, just yeah, we, could, we, we could do a versus like boom, like crossfire. <laughs> yeah. And I would just be like, dude, I, I, I think you guys are great. I hope you guys. That would be my whole <laughs> clap back. No, no, I think you guys were probably awesome. Start a multi podcast beef. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Right. Oh, well, John, thank you for reviewing Fugu. Uh, very excited. Uh, now it's time to see if the Royals <laughs> can flip the Fugu into some voodoo, and by which I mean flip this second half of the season around. So what stands in the future? Stay tuned to find out. Tox Brewing Company. Uh, the Royals playing a little less Tox and a little more Tox-ick. Uh, there were 10 players that were not allowed to enter Canada due to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate to get into that country. And unfortunately, many of them were high-quality trade pieces for the Royals. I'm talking guys like Andrew Benintendi, Whit Merrifield, Michael A. Taylor. And to just add salt into the wound, a lot of the suitors for those guys were, you guessed it, AL East teams. Uh, what are we going to do with them now, guys? Do they have much trade value? Well, I think they have trade value. I think that 
the other teams can still they can use it as a negotiating tactic. I think one thing that nobody's really talking about. We we all got up in arms at Merrifield for those his comments about well, if I was on a contending team, I might get the vaccine. Yeah, and I'm mad about that too. That's a terrible attitude. If that is in fact his attitude, or is that his way of communicating to the New York Yankees that he would get a vaccine if <laughs> right, they right. took him? You know, send that's a the blink, thing we talked blink, it, blink if you need help. <laughs> yeah, if if perhaps I were on a team, um, we talked earlier about how you can't really ask. It's a little bit of a don't ask, don't tell thing. But there are certainly ways to communicate to uh, future trade partners that. I'll, I'll get vaxxed for you. Like, if it's going to be really come down to it, sure. I don't know how many of these guys, you know, I don't know these guys' beliefs and all the things behind. Um, I mean, I can guess, but it sounded like, for instance, Dozier, who I thought would might be a crusader against vaccines, seemed to be actually kind of indifferent about it and just said, oh, I just made my choice. And uh, I, I didn't feel like he came out strongly anti-vax or anything by any means. Yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't. I don't put much into this, like being some strong belief in their part. Sounds to me like they just didn't feel it. They didn't feel like doing it and they didn't care enough about the Royals to do it for them. And for one series, like we could talk about the fact where that's our only series in Toronto. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so why bother? You know? So I don't know. Um, I think that actually things probably haven't changed as much as we want to think that they have, but except for the Yankees can come to the table and say, I don't know, your boy's not back. So they'll use anything to strengthen their position. That's just the nature of negotiation. I think most of these guys are going to the NL anyway, honestly. Like, um, I could see Witt going to Milwaukee. I could see him going to uh, the Dodgers um, or in the AL Seattle might I mean, we just had a nice little trade with Seattle. They might want to do another one. Uh, they could use some guys they're looking for. They actually uh, bet you right now they're thinking they could make a run on the Astros. So um, I can see a lot of those guys go into the other coast um, and Ben attendee. I'm, I don't know why I just picture him being a Padre at this point. I don't know why I could be terribly wrong about that, but I could see another, uh, they love talking to the Padres over the years. They've had many, many trades with them. So, I don't know. I I, th- I don't know how much if it's as bad as people have been trying to say it is. Um, it's not as good as it was before, but I don't think it's. I don't think the Yankees are necessarily out of the out of contention or anything for the trades. I think that's either. a good that's a good point, especially like you said with Wit uh, saying you know I, maybe I'd get vaxxed to the right team. Well, we just saw it with the Golden State Warriors and Andrew Wiggins. You know, Wiggins came out and he's like, well, to be honest, if I could go back, I really regret getting vaxxed. But you know, they they need me to get vaxxed to play for this team. And so, yeah, if you're going to play for the Golden State Warriors with two of the best players in the league today, it's like you're going to get vaxxed, you're going to win your championship, you're going to kind of move on. I can, I see quite a few players on our team that would be that way. I, I can see Witt doing that. I can see mm-hmm. Benintendi doing that. Uh, you know, probably Michael A. Taylor doing that as well. It's like rings speak pretty loudly. Uh, one question I want to have for you, Armando, because we really have a chance to talk about this yet. Uh, so a few weeks ago, we were doing our Ty- uh, Tyree Kill podcast, and we asked if you know, his comments on that podcast and what he continues to say, did he maybe talk himself out of being a surefire Royals ring of honor? And he has to kind of do a little bit more groundbreaking in his career before we say, this is a guy who's surefire for us. Uh, do you think Whit Merrifield in his comments, maybe talked himself out of being a Kansas city Royals hall of famer and or folk legend, a la like a Mike Sweeney type. Uh, I mean, even if like that didn't happen, I don't know if, Wit would be in in I mean that would have to be a debate I don't know if he's 
completely a shoe in but I guess that's another debate for another day. But that 550 um, game streak or whatever it was? Yeah. I don't and, know. And the I, leading the league, it's leading baseball two years in a row in hits. Yeah. It's pretty good, mm-hmm. right? At least one of those years was all of baseball, right? Oh, yeah. Um, that's that's a lot. There's some guys in that Hall of Fame, that Royals Hall of Fame that you're like, yeah. <laughs> who's that guy? I mean, I've been around a long time. I, I think I'm in the Royals Hall of Fame at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I've been no. around a long time. I remember some guys that are in there that maybe you, I don't know if you guys do, but uh, sometimes it's like, wow, really? Okay. Yeah. Maybe the standards are a little lower too. I feel like time, we but. can cut Wit a little bit of slack just because Wit has been in trade talks for like the past two years. So I think there can be an argument there where like he's doing this out of spite, but at the same time we've been having these Wit trade talks for a long time. So him as a player being on the Royals, I also can't imagine the like pressure of, you know, not, Knowing if you're going to play and he's still playing and it was still two hit wit for a long time. So I don't know if it uh, worsens his chat, his chances, um, but we'll see. You know, I, I don't want to crucify the guy right away. I know it sounds terrible, but I playing devil's advocate. I kind of get where he's coming from. I think he's done a really good job kind of taking a bite of that chicken sandwich, so to say, for the last three, four years when they probably should have traded him, and he's still just sitting here being, you know, Whit Merrifield, smiling, lunch pail, putting up numbers for a terrible organization. That being said, man, the timing of what he said and the way he said it, it sounds like a lot of frustration to the organization. I know people have been drawing parallels to, like, Tony Gonzalez when he said that stuff about the Falcons making his career a few years ago. But the Tony Gonzalez thing, I mean, come on, Tony's a showman. He was in front of the Atlanta media like before the, they were in the Super Bowl. So like of course he's going to be like, "Oh, I love my Atlanta Falcons." You know, he's a showman. Uh Wit I, I kind of felt like it was in bad taste to be honest. You were talking about Tony Gonzalez and I was going to bring up Tony Gonzalez too, so it's I, I'm glad you did cuz Tyreek Wit the Tony, if Tony Gonzalez is all forgiven, then they will be too. Then, I mean, yeah, we're going to forget totally. about this. It's not going to. I mean, Wit would would benefit from having some kind of success as a team. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Tyree's got to bring and and is a big part of why for the Chiefs. But uh, yeah, I think eventually, I with Wit, it's like yeah, I get where he's coming from. Shut up. <laughs> you can come from there if you want. You didn't have to say it, and you definitely didn't have to say it twice. And um. So I'm I'm kind of mad. I'm pretty mad at him. Yeah, I'll admit. I, you know, you said crucify. I'm not crucifying anybody. I just am really upset with him. You just gotta you gotta put on the face um, for the team. You gotta tell your you gotta convey to your team. Part of being a teammate, even if you don't mean it, is to convey to them that you're a full on teammate. Mm-hmm. And um, like that's where honesty doesn't pay off in that situation. And he should have just kept his mouth shut or said it differently, way differently. I fully agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I was joking. I said I, I felt like one of the bigger heel turns in sports in the last 10 years was Kevin Durant being like the super aw shucks, nice guy for his small mark Oklahoma City. And then, you know, he freaking shows up like Hogan in, in WCW and he hits him with the chair and he's like, guess what? I'm a bad guy now. I'm joining the Golden State Warriors. My skin's paper thin. And I got more burner accounts than a forest fire. You know, but what Whit Merrifield did just now, like I said, he's been two hit wit. He's been smiling. He's handsome dude. He shows up, he plays, and all of a sudden he's like, screw them kids. You know, it it, yeah. it really hurts. It's not cool. 
It's not cool. It's and he should know better. He's a. I could understand if he was twenty four years old. Yeah. Say he was a phenom or something, and he yeah was too young to. He's he should know better than to, to say what he did, and that's just that. Well, so then speaking of frustrations with players and looking forward to the future, then I know we mentioned in the first half of the podcast letting some of these young guys just stay up here, let the the core be up here, grow, learn, build together. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. is obviously going to be the crown jewel of that whole thing, but what do you think the odds are that we can lock him down long enough to even make like one potential rebuild run around him? Or do you think he's going to say, tell his agent, be like, I ain't staying here for freaking all of the ice in Iceland, you know, get me out ASAP. Well, his agent is not Scott Boris, so that that's a good thing Fair. <laughs> right there. If it's if your agent Scott Boris, you got no chance, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of always been the rule of thumb. Um, we're in this new age of extensions, like early extensions that seem to be in vogue right now with Acuna, and um, there's probably other people I'm not thinking of. That's the one that really stands out. I was just shocked when he signed that contract. Like, wow, you're not you're not even thinking about uh, 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 testing the waters even in the slightest. You're a brave for probably your whole career now, mm-hmm. uh, depending. But uh, I we I don't I don't know if we have the resources, the money to throw that much money at Bobby Wood Jr. That's the problem. Like, will can they throw him that much money? Guarantee him a hundred million dollars over ten years or something? I don't know if they have it. I think I think Sherman does have it literally in his bank account or yeah. however you want to in his holdings. Um, but will they do it? I don't know. And and if he can say, look, I can go to the Yankees and get that hundred million dollars. I mean, how are you, how are you supposed to compete with that? I don't know, but I would love for them to lock him down. And the thing is, he just seems like, you know, this is early. He seems like a good guy that might want to be a good guy. If you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of think Mahomes, one of the things about Mahomes is I think Mahomes not only wants to be one of the greatest players of all time, he wants to be one of the best guys of all time. Yeah. I think he really wants to project yeah, and, this. And invest in Kansas City, too. Investing in Kansas By investing in Kansas City, like picking the right uh, causes to get behind, being a family man, just being an overall good dude. I think that's part of his legacy. He just, it's not just about the play. For Mahomes, it's part of the it's the legacy as a human being he wants to establish and get paid a lot. You know, he's doing both. Wit, I could see him and, and you know, I think that they I, I think they know each other, right? Mm-hmm. I know they use the same trainer. And I'd be interested to see if Wit if he doesn't see that as a model of sorts and say, look, I could be that guy on the Royals side of things. Yeah. Um you're getting paid, you're getting paid, man. Sometimes I don't understand. It's like you're gonna get paid and Mahomes for instance he's gonna I mean he's gonna make so much off endorsements over the years so is Witt if he if he you know lives up to his plays up to his potential he's gonna get endorsements he's gonna get paid no matter what why not be the good guy why not be the team guy and be the staple you know be the legend of the city we're we're without those right now I and mean, we got George Brett is long past he's you know old man Brett he's he's stayed in Kansas City to be the king of the city but you know is he still the king of city I don't know but um why not be the next George Brett? You know, why not be the next guy for the Royals and just say, look, you're going to get paid. You're going to make your money and you're going to have this other legacy, too. So I'm hoping that he's and he seems like a good guy like that. I don't know. I mean, he has been around long enough to really know. But um, I don't know. He just seems like a real level headed dude. This is why he responds to things in game. Yeah, like, I so still impressive. have not seen him react to anything yet. I, same with it's kind of like Mahomes. Like at first, it's like Mahomes just seems to shake off everything. He doesn't seem to get that upset. Now that kind of changed. He's 
gotten a little bit more emotional from time to time over the last year or two. Yeah. But Witt, like, he gets some really bad strike calls on him. He doesn't flinch. Yeah. He's like on to the next pitch. And that kind of mentality, if that can play into his life, uh, I can see him being that kind of guy. So I, this is all hopefulness. But um, that's what's going to have to happen, though, because I think he's going to be good enough to go get that money somewhere else. So yeah. hopefully he'll just stay here and, and be that guy. Armand, do you look like you have something to say? No, uh, all John said it eloquently. I could not say it any better. I hope, I hope Bobby stays. We have the money for it, I'm sure. And yeah, it would be nice for him to stick around and have that Royal Stadium downtown, you know, over there with the Chiefs. And uh, we're actually Chiefs take over there. They do Arrowhead Live. Uh, it'd be it'd be awesome. It'd be great for Kansas City, man. And, and having Bobby there as a staple and having, you know, Pat there as a staple for Kansas City and with Kansas City's growth, you know, personal growth outside of sports, it it really is would be a really, you know, a match made in heaven, as they say. It would be unprecedented for us to have two athletes of that caliber potentially locked down long term at the same time. I think one point you made, John, that was really astute is just that, you know, Bobby and Mahomes are so unflappable, it seems like. I think one thing both of them have in common is they're second generation professional athletes. You know, Bobby's dad mm-hmm. was a baseball yep. player. Pat's dad was a baseball player. Maybe it's a baseball player thing, but, you know, that, that is Maybe. something they share in common for sure. For sure. Yeah, uh, you, 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 you definitely see that in sports with people that are professionals like Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, like they all had fathers that, you know, they, they were around the sport all the time and they know how to be a professional. It, it does speak volumes. Randy Orton. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. Definitely a thing. <laughs> uh, shout out Cowboy Bob Orton, Kansas City legend. Uh, okay, so one last question I want to have from us. If they decide to run it back next year with a lot of the same front office, you mentioned they kept Matheny. You know, it doesn't seem like Dayton Moore and Piccolo are going to be going anywhere. How much longer do we have to realistically wait until we arrive to another one of those years like 2022 is supposed to be in regards of, well, we could either be a 500 team or we could sneak into a wild card potentially. What, what are we realistically looking at here? Uh, I Man, this is where it gets to that point <clears throat> where I feel like I know nothing. Like it's like I don't know. I I I don't know about Piccolo yet. Like he's he's only one year into being the GM, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe he's fine. Maybe Dayton doesn't have as much to do with what's going on as we think he does. You know, there's a, I think there's a lot of confusion about. Like I heard he wasn't very involved in the draft at all, for instance. I don't know how true that is, but um, so I don't know about those two guys. I kind of wonder. You know, we talk about like their player selection and what is the reasoning behind their player selection when they do draft people. I worry about that a little bit. I, I want to go back. Uh, when was Dozier? Was Dozier drafted in 17, 16? Yeah, I forget. I, he was somewhere in that post-World Series shortly after. Did we did we pass anybody or did we take him ahead of some, anybody? I'm kind of curious. Oh, you know, gosh. I don't want to go too deep into this. You know what I mean? But I'm kind of curious, was Dozier the guy that we should have drafted that year? Did Were there other reasons that we drafted him that aren't baseball related? I don't know. It seems that way sometimes, and a lot of people talk about it. You know, I'm not the only one. But um, so it's hard to say, like, but Dayton also put together the team that won them the championship. Right. So he did it once. I mean, maybe it could happen again. It's tough. You know, one thing that we don't talk about enough anymore, I think, is the small market aspect. I don't know why we used to talk about it all the time. Every single year, it was like, well, we can't possibly do it because we're a small market. Maybe we don't talk about it because we did do it. But um, there still is that aspect. It's like, how, how can, can you really build a champion consistently? Or is, was that just like lightning in a bottle that we're never going to 
uh, be able to get back unless we get real lucky. Is it can the Royals win a championship without luck? You know, uh, I, you know, just by selecting correctly and everybody paying off. You know, literally need like more draft picks to pay off than do for any other team in order to really build a team, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm off off base about that, but so I don't know, man. I, I don't know the answer to that question. It does. It seems like it's very a nebulous thing. Like there's really no way to know how this team's going to progress unless we just see it happen. I don't know. You know, I, I wish I knew the answer to the Hunter Dozier draft question because I used to. I used to have like every draft pick we whiffed on between like 2010 and 2015 memorized. Like it makes you want to vomit. Mm. Like the years we took like uh, Bubba Starling and like Kyle <laughs> Zimmer, and it's like. Look at the 15 all-stars that came right after. And it's like, you got to be yeah. kidding oh, me, bro. Oh, my goodness. But Yeah, you can't. You really can't play that game, though, right? Because if you play that game with the Chiefs, you could go crazy, too. But mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, but we go to the AFC Championship. We're a very successful team. You can't oh, yeah. blame, like, passing over, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor. The, or the Seahawks receiver, DJ Metcalf, or DK Metcalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sure, he's better than Nicole, but we've also won a Super Bowl since then, so it's okay. Oh, like, oh, we'll just oh. have to take take it as, as it is. It's a gamble, and who knows? I, I feel like DK Metcalf seems like a pretty obvious pick, though. That's why I like, he, like, how well, do you not pick that man? Not for Reese, but for, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like DK Metcalf. Well, look, <laughs> I don't know. Just the physicality of the man alone is like, man, I just want to see what that, that guy could be a tight end. I, they were so tunnel visioned and panicked in replacing Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's that's an entirely different topic yeah. for a different day. But the one thing I will say is I, 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 the Royals, though, were swinging and missing at like lottery picks, like top five picks. And it's like, dude, you just have to get like one of those right. Whereas, you know, Kansas City, DK Metcalf, second round pick. Clyde Edwards Alaire, basically a high second round pick. You know, whiffing on dudes like that's a little different than, you know, if, if the Chiefs had a top five pick this year and they're like, okay, we're going to go with uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. It's like, bro, no. Can I just uh, assert something here? I I don't think Hilaire is a whiff yet. Mm. I think we'll find out this year. If, if it's the same thing this year, he, I don't think he's had his chance yet still. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I still think, man, sometimes when he's on, he's. I'm like, if that guy could start doing this for real, I think he will be what they thought he was going to be. But, um, I mean, he was pretty hurt last year, right? Uh, yeah, he's been, he's been pretty hurt the last two years. Yeah, so let's see him be healthy for one season before we call him a whiff. I mean, that's what I, I – I still think he's got the ability and could be the guy for us. I don't know. We'll see. Dude, you got to share whatever just like optimism courses through your veins with me. You're patient with baseball. You're patient with Clyde. It's like the antithesis of what I do on this show. Burn That's it all true. down. <laughs> that is definitely a race I, on the show. Mean, yeah. I mean, he could very well just be a complete bust this year. This year, I'll, I'll say let's, let's call it a loss. But I do think that this year, it sounds like he's coming in really healthy this year. Yeah, um, that's what I hear. He's in shape. No problems. And so if he can get through training camp without an injury yeah, right. and preseason without an injury, then I'm going to be pretty excited about him. And with all the other pieces, I don't know if we're transitioning to Chiefs. I don't mean to do that. But um, <laughs> oh, with all the other pieces, I think he could also not have to take the, that many carries either and get hurt. You know, mm-hmm. He could just have some big splash plays from out of the backfield and maybe catch a few balls. Yeah, right. 
Man, dude, John, yeah. we'll have to get you back during Chiefs season so you can talk Chiefs ball, man. You, you obviously oh, totally. know. I'd love, love to talk about Chiefs. Dude, so Chiefs, is fun. Chiefs are it, fun because they're yeah, successful. It makes us <laughs> happy. Talk about success. That's where people are searching for things to complain about all the time with the Chiefs. It's like, I, but I get it. I Baseball is a nice, relaxing, like, lemonade on the front porch sport for me. But football is a grueling. <laughs> I, I curse football. My mom bred me to love football. My mom's a gigantic football. Like she watches every college game. It's like whatever's on, if it's football, she watches it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, damn you, mom. Like, why did you even make me care about football? I wish I didn't care about football. Cause it could be so stressful, man. Do you not Baseball's never that stressful until it, until it's important. You know, I had those butterflies in the, in 1415, obviously, but, um, football, it's like every, every Sunday, man. I'll tell you what's weird though. Uh, roller coaster. Maybe this is just me. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like the Royals World Series win hit a little bit different than the Chiefs Super Bowl win. Or am I crazy? Well, it depends on what you mean. I mean, I remember a, a World Series win. So for me, it was like, well, I have had a taste of this at one point in my <sighs> life. The Chiefs, no. I mean, the Chiefs, that was just like, how many times in my life did I say this is just never going to happen, I guess? That's fair. And it did. And I, and I, I literally cried. I don't think I cried when the war. I cried with the. I I cried when when um when Clark sacked Tannehill in the in the AFC Championship game oh, to go to the World Series. I cried and I called my mom and we cried on the phone. Aww. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I couldn't handle it. It was like overwhelming, like years of hope and expectation and disappointment and all this stuff kind of. And it was that moment, you know, in that football game moment that you don't get from baseball very often Mm -hmm. is that definitive moment where the game's over when it's not technically over yet, you know, and you get this like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it, is that's it. Right. And then you do math in your head. You go, wait, can they get the ball? But no, no, they can't get the ball. They can't get the ball back. And then it all kind of hits you, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's one of the exciting things. One of the cool things about football is how the how that clock works. It can be cool. It can be torturous. But um, when you realize that it's over, even when it's not over, and they start kneeling and yep. it's something else, yeah. You know, that's a very good point that you anyway. you got to experience the '85 World Series because I admittedly was born in '91, so like right when the Royals were like done oh being God. good <laughs> for a long time. So I think when the Royals finally won the World Series, I'm like, this is never going to happen again. Or if it does, like I'm going to be like 60. Versus the Chiefs, or, like Oracle Reese, Oracle, yeah, Oracle Reese. Uh, but like, even when they were in the Super Bowl and, and they were down ten points to San Fran, I'm like, you know, if we lose, I'm like, this is gonna suck. But I'm like, we're gonna be back. I'm like, we're gonna have like another, at least, at least mm. another bite at the apple at some point, with Mahomes, and they're gonna get it done. So you know, that very, very different, you know, viewpoints there. So I totally get where you're coming from. Well, no, don't get me wrong. I spent from 1985, 86. 86 was a bad year. I was extra super obsessed with baseball around this period. Baseball cards, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was exciting in 86. I kind of, I was kind of a half Mets fan that year because they were just so cool and exciting. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I was also 11 years old, but they were, but it was like, we're going to do it again. We got George Brett. We've got Danny Tartable, like these guys that would bring Bo Jackson, but it, it fizzled and fizzled, and then it got to the point where we'd get slightly excited for some of these rookies, Beltron and Damon and mm-hmm. um, Jermaine Dye, and then it would be like immediately sell off, and it was like, this is never going to, this is always going to be who we are. Yep. So when, I, it's actually when I moved back from Denver in 2013, I was like, started paying attention to the Royals again really closely. Like it had been a minute, I'd been out of town, it'd been a while since they'd been exciting, and I was like, 
hold on, I love these guys. Wait, these guys could be interesting. And started feeling good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Started feeling good. I've always loved the Royals. I've always rooted for the Royals. But I will admit that it. I was disenfranchised for a while. And Salvi brought me back. I can remember... <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm starting to wax poetic late into the night, I think. Um, <laughs> Moose, Moose runs over on a foul ball, um, reaches into the stands, and there's a kid waiting for the ball. This is in 2013, I think. Yeah. Maybe early 14, but I think it's 13. He reaches over and catches the ball, but then looks at the ground, like tricking the kid into thinking that it fell, and then he shows the kid the ball. Oh. Do you guys remember this? I don't know. He played a little prank on the kid. The kid was looking to catch the ball, and Moose caught it. But then he acted immediately thought to act like he didn't, and he was looking for the ball, and the kid started looking for it too, and then he showed the kid the ball. And I was like, I love these guys. That's so cool. (laughs) That's just like a cool character thing that makes me want to root for you for sure and uh, salvi and then salvi started he's uh, all his stuff and then everybody it's just so exciting you know and so um yeah the royals got so exciting again and i actually did believe like 2013 even i started getting really optimistic mm-hmm. and uh and 2014 was more than i thought we'd get right away and then i bought season tickets in between because i knew we were going back in 15 and i got and i was like i'm gonna be there to buy postseason tickets. I'm going to actually go to these postseason games. I went to the wild card game in 14, but I couldn't afford to go to anything else. With those season tickets, I was able to afford to go to a World Series game. And oh my um, gosh. game one was the only one I went to, but oh, uh, that was a nice. hell of a game to go to. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, bucket list for World Series game. Never been to one in anywhere. So it was great. That's amazing to hear. Sorry. Now, like I said, I'm waxing poetic now. I should probably. <laughs> No. Should probably shut this down before I start. That's fair. Singing or something. We all have great 2015 Royals World Series. I mean, that's kind of where Armando and I kind of like really bonded for the first time was the 15 World Series yeah. run. But that's uh, more stories for another time. You'll have to tune in for John. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on Final yeah, City thanks, Sports man. Media. It was awesome. Here's a uh, 30 seconds. Yeah, Give yourself a shout out. Uh, where should people listen to your stuff? Uh, yeah, uh, the Alien podcast I mentioned uh, two or three hours ago or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> Alien Minute is the name of it. The Alien Minute podcast. You can also find any other minute by minute podcast at moviesbyminutes.com. It's a good resource. I Almost any of your, whatever your favorite movie is, it's gotten out of hand. There's over 200 of these shows now. Go check them out. But you can find the link to our show there. I think we were number six on the list. We're the sixth Movies by Minute podcast. Also, the ABCD TOS and ABC Devo podcast. You can find those on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. And um, on Twitter, I am... Uh, I'm forgetting who I am on Twitter, but uh, at Alien Minute Pod, how about that? Go to there, and our Alien Minute Twitter is there if you want to follow us there. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Go check out the Alien Minute. Give it five stars. Give them a like. Give them a follow. Give them a subscribe. And uh, thank you for tuning to Fountain City Sports Media. We look forward to talking again to all of you very soon. Have a good night. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 